Jeremiah chapter number 6. I want to preach against something this morning. Is that okay? I hope so. Uh, Boy, it got kind of quiet when I said that. You don't know if it's going to be whatever you do wrong, do you? But uh, this morning I want to preach against something, but I want to preach for something as well. Anybody that says that a preacher ought never be negative about anything has never read the Word of God. Now, that's not to say that we should have a pessimistic attitude. That's not to say that we should be mean-spirited or hateful. Uh, but when there is sin, the preacher ought to be against it. He ought to preach against it. The church ought to be against it. And we ought to stay away from it. Amen. And so uh, this morning, I want to preach against something, but I also want to preach for something. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Underscore that in your mind and in your margin. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Sad to say, but this is where most of the church is at today. But they said, we will not walk therein. Would you pray with me this morning? Pray that the Lord helps me and that the Holy Spirit does the preaching through me. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I want to thank You that it's true, Lord. That the book that we hold before us in our hands is pure truth. Unadulterated, unaffected by man's hands. But Lord, that You've preserved it. And that it's inspired and that infallible, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to treat your word with the respect that it deserves this morning, both in listening, but also in heeding and obeying. And Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit... Now, God, you know this is my heart's desire, that your Holy Spirit would have liberty this morning. Lord, I don't have it within me, but God, you're my sufficiency. And I want to ask that your Holy Spirit would give me the power and the unction, Lord, in such a way that would move the hearts of sinners closer to Calvary and show them their need of You. Move the hearts of saints closer to the cross and show them Your love for them. And Lord, that it would move me in a place of humility where I could be used. And Father, that You could gain glory. I love You, Lord. And I only love You because You first loved me. But I do love You, Lord, and teach me to love You more. Father, we ask all of this in a name that's effectual, in a name that means something, in a name that's above every other name. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. What does Jeremiah 6.16 mean? There's a lot of people that would try to take the context and destroy the thought. And there's some people that try to take the thought and destroy the context. But as I read this passage, I find a theme. And I'm going to be honest with you today, church. I'm alarmed when I look around at this world. I'm alarmed when I look at the church and the state that she's in today. I'm alarmed when I drive up and down the streets of Knoxville and see places that are falling and failing because they've strayed from God's Word. We have a principle in this passage. Uh, this world will tell you that the new thing's the better thing. 
You know that this world and God have always been opposite in ideology. The Bible says that when in the world, uh, when the world by wisdom knew not God, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. And this world's ideology is completely opposite that of God and of His Word. The context of this passage finds us in the prophecy of Jeremiah to the straying uh, children of Israel and the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Destruction soon awaits them. And God gives them a chance to turn back and do the right thing. Aren't you thankful we've got a God that gives us the, the chance to repent and do the right thing? Aren't you thankful when you mess up, God doesn't just chuck you away, but by grace we can be forgiven? But in this passage, we're exhorted to do a few things. And I'd like to preface this by saying something that might make a few people uncomfortable. I don't know. I hope it doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. You know, you go through this world and don't make anybody mad. You've not had a lot of fun. And you've probably not stood for anything either. Amen. But my intention is not to make anybody mad this morning. But let me just say that if, you, if I was to identify myself, you say, Preacher, what would you consider yourself? Well, after I gave you the answer, just a sinner saved by grace... I'd probably give you this answer. I am an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, King James-only, Bible-believing, sin-hating, devil-stomping, slobbering preacher. That's probably the definition I give you. You might give a different one for me. I don't know. Yours might have a, a few expletives in it, too. I don't know. But I would say that I am what you might call old-timey. How many of you remember when preachers used to preach against sin? How many of you grew up with a pastor that when he preached, he'd drag you into the center aisle and gut you and field dress you like a deer? You ever have a pastor like that? Thank God for him. Amen. Amen. There was a time when the mantle of old-time Christianity was held high. And when standing by the stuff and sticking to the Word of God was what was expected in preachers and in churches. But can I say that we live in a day of mediocrity. We live in a day of soft-serve theology. We live in a day of compromising and sin-flirting preachers, churches, and Christians. I'd like to say that what I hope Walridge is and will always be, is an independent, fundamental, King James-only, old-fashioned, Bible-believing church. That's what I want it to be today. By God's grace and help, that's what we're always going to be till the Lord takes us out of here. But we find in this passage an exhortation given. Let's read it again one more time. And I'm not going to do a lot of preaching this morning. I just want to give you a few words that the Lord brought to my mind as I read this passage and say a few things about some of the phrases. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Now, we live in a day where typically most churches are divided between what you might call contemporary churches, what you might call casual churches, what you might call newer type style churches, and old-fashioned churches. And many believers would ask themselves the question, is it important to go to a fundamental church? And I hope this morning to answer that yes, it is important to go to a fundamentally doctrinal church. 
church. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to Wall Ridge. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you'll come back tonight. Hey, I even want you here next week. But I'm not talking only about Wall Ridge, but I'm talking about churches in general. We find in this passage, number one, if you're writing these down, you can write them down, a word of deity. In this passage, the Bible says, first off, now this is important, thus saith who? The Lord. Now that's important, isn't it? Because this tells me that I'm not just reading the words of man. I'm not just reading the words of denominational leaders. I'm not just reading the words of theological writings. But I'm reading the words of God Almighty. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe we have the Word of God? Do you believe that? Hope you do. Now let me ask you a question that might be tougher to answer. And I don't necessarily want you to answer out loud. Where do you think it is? You see, that's the issue. The question is not, do we have the Word of God? Everybody would say we have the Word of God. The question is, where is it? Is the Word of God in Greek and Hebrew manuscripts? Is the Word of God in multiple versions? Is the Word of God given to us by context alone or by the very words that God breathed? Where is the Word of God? If you were to ask 15 preachers that question, you'd probably get at least 12 different answers. But I'm here to tell you this morning that I know where the Word of God is. I'm here to tell you that I have no doubts about where the Word of God is. You say, what about German-speaking people? I'm not German. I don't know. You say, what about Italian-speaking people? I don't know. I'm not Italian. But I'll tell you right now, for you and I, where the Word of God is, it's in this King James Bible. That's where it's at. You see, the problem is not, does does the Word of God exist? The question is this, is there more than one Bible? Not, is the King James Bible good? The mo- listen to me, the most dyed-in-the-wool liberal, I'm talking about liberal infidel, will tell you they love the King James Bible. They'll tell you that. But now if you ask them which Bible contains the very words of God, they can't give you an answer about that. Now let me just beat this drum for a moment, and I'll tell you why, because I'm beginning to get troubled. You know, there was a time when you could look around, and a lot of Southern Baptist churches, people started to fall by the wayside. You know, there was a time when Southern Baptist churches were by a rule, doctrinally, fundamentally, accepted the virgin birth, the inspiration of the Scriptures, and not just in ideal alone, but they accepted the inspiration of the Scriptures in a book that you could hold and that you could read and that there was a standard of faith and authority. There was a time when Southern Baptist churches all believed in separation. You say, oh, you don't know the church I grew up in. I'm not talking about that church. I'm talking about the churches in general. There was a time when Southern Baptist churches were that way. But if you'll open your eyes, you'll see it's been a long time since that's been the case. Oh, there's a few. I know there's a few. There's places where the Word of God is preached. But there's places where it's not as well. But that's not alarming to me. I'll tell you what's alarming to me. I'm beginning to see independent, fundamental Baptist churches taking the name Baptist off their sign, denying the King James Bible as the Word of God, giving in to the contemporary movement all around me, friend. You say, preacher, why do you believe that the Word of God is inspired. I believe the Word of God is inspired because God said it's inspired. The Bible says every Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I believe that. You say, well, that's good. It was inspired. It was inspired when they wrote it. Well, I don't just believe in inspiration. I believe in preservation. I believe in perfect preservation. In other words, when the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God would preserve His Word for it, I believe that. I believe what I've got is just as good as if I had the originals right in front of me. You say, why do you believe that? Because it wouldn't be preservation if I couldn't say that. Let me give you a hillbilly example. How many of you can things? Why do they call it canon when you jar them? 
Makes you think, don't it? You can you a quart of green beans when you open it in six months. Are you looking for pickled okra? When you can a uh, quart of green beans, you open it in a month. Are you looking for cream corn? No, when you can a quart of green beans, you open it in a month, six months, in a year, you're looking for what? Why? Because it's been preserved. It's that simple. I believe God has preserved His Word. I believe this book is perfect. You say, can I quote you on that? You better quote it. Friend, write it on my tombstone. I believe this book is perfect. Cover to cover. I believe it's perfect. And we need to understand when we read the Word of God, we're reading, thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith Toby Weber. Not thus saith the doctrinal stance of Walridge Baptist Church. But we're reading, thus saith the Lord. There's a word of deity here. But I want to say, secondly, we see a word of discernment. What does it say? It says, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see. So what is God saying? God's saying, stand up, son, pay attention and look around and tell me what you're seeing. I find it interesting that the Bible does not say stand in the way and see. If it said stand in the way and see, I'd say what way? Well, there's only one way to heaven, the way, the truth, and the life. But that's not what it says. It says stand in the ways. In other words, stand at the cross section of things. Stand at the crossroads and observe around you and tell me what you see. I just want to ask you a simple question. Simple. Churches that do not preach the Bible, do they make holy Christians? No. Churches that do not sing Christ-honoring music, I did not say entertainment, but that do not sing Christ-honoring music, do they make good Christians? I'm not saying that everybody in an independent Baptist church is living a holy life. I pastor too many of you to believe that. Amen. I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes. Well, we could look all around the country and find people that are failing and falling. But I'm merely saying that God says, stand in the way and ask yourself this. Did soft preaching ever make a good Christian? Did having a soft stance about the Word of God, did that ever make a good Christian? Did listening to rock and roll music, dressed up and painted up as gospel music, did that ever make a good Christian? No. Where's the separation in most churches? Most churches you go into, you couldn't tell a difference walking from outside the door to inside the door. You could go to concerts and hear the same kind of music you'd hear in most churches. You could go, listen, friend, you'd go to rock concerts and see the same kind of clothes in most churches that you would see out in the world. The truth of the matter is this. Uh, unless we're willing to be separated, we're not serious about Christianity. You say, what's separation? Well, uh, the Bible says we're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. The Bible says concerning those that do wickedly, we're to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And the Bible says, I will be a father to you. The Bible says to touch not the unclean thing. That tells me something. Wherever the world's at, that's where the Christian should not be. You say, oh, but preacher, uh, culture changes. Yeah, I know culture changes. But that tells me that wherever culture is at, that's where the Christian ought not be. If the culture in churches is rock music, that ain't where the Christian ought to be. If the culture is immodesty, ladies, that's not where you ought to be. If the culture is being effeminate, fellas, that's not where you ought to be. You're to be different from the world. Truth of the matter is, most Christians, they couldn't convict of being a Christian in a court of crime. 
court of crime. Is that what I just said? Does that make sense? No. <laughs> crime of court, court of law. That's it. I'm going off about an hour and a half of sleep, so you're going to have to forgive me this morning. I might say a lot worse things than that. Amen. You just hang in. But let me tell you something, friend. Until Christians begin to have a little discernment about it, they're never going to choose the right way. I'll tell you why most people go to the churches they go to. Because it's close to their home. Because they like the environment. Because it's an easy place to go to. Because nobody bothers them. But they never ask themselves the question, is this place a doctrinal place? Does this place preach the Word of God? You see, we're supposed to have a little discernment. And God says, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to stand in the way. I want you to look at the new way. I want you to look at the old way. And in about six months, I want you to compare notes. I want you to compare notes. In liberal churches, are marriages being healed and put back together? Or are they being further busted up? In liberal churches, friend, liberal churches, are children being raised to serve the Lord? Or are they being raised to live like the world? We're commanded to have some discernment. God gives us a word of discernment. But I want to give you a third thing. I like this. There's a word of desire here. What does it say? It says an ask for the old paths. I like that word, ask. You know what that word ask means in the original Hebrew? Ask. Isn't that deep? Put on your theological waders. We're getting deep now. It means to ask. So that tells me something. That tells me that I ought to have a desire for my family to be in an old-time Christianity environment. I ought to have a desire for my children one day to grow up in a Bible-believing church. In fact, I ought to desire it so much that I wouldn't have it any other way. The Bible says we're to ask for the old past. So that tells me, number one, that we should have a desire for it. But let me say, number two, that it tells me that there's a petition that we ought to make for it as well. Let me tell you something, friend. People that are real serious about serving God, they're willing to spend time in prayer. Do you know that? I asked the question this morning. I got up and I goaded you a little bit. Are you here to worship? You know that worship don't happen on accident? It don't happen on accident. People's hearts are not moved on accident. Let me tell you when worship really happens. Worship really happens when people are in prayer about worship. Prayer Worship really happens when people have been preparing themselves for worship. I, I know most of you have seen uh, these before. How many of you have a weed eater? You not have lawns? Or you just don't weed eat them? <laughs> Let me try it again. How many of y'all have a weed eater? Okay, that's a few more. I thought, I thought so. How many of y'all have one of them gas weed eaters? How many of y'all, it's the meanest thing other than the devil? Yeah, I've had a few of those. You know, most of the time when you go start that weed eater, there's a little bubble on the side. And if you don't push that bubble, you can pull that cord as many times as you want. But that thing ain't going to start. You know what you've got to do? You've got to prime that weed eater. You've got to push that bubble and, and get that built up. You've got to prime it before it'll start. And you prime it real good. Hey, if you've got a good one, one pull. That's all it takes. You know the atmosphere and expectation that most Christians come into? They come in, they do one of these. All right, do your best to bless me. That's right. That's right, Mr. Rupert. I dare you to. Haven't prayed. Haven't sought the Lord. Haven't examined their hearts. And then they come in and they expect to get kicked off with one pull of a cord. Let me tell you something, friend. We really spent time in prayer about worship. If we really did, 
Friend, we'd do laps when Larry read the announcements. It wouldn't take nothing to get us started. But the sad truth is most of us, the first we've thought about Jesus and the first we've thought about the Lord and the first we've thought about the Word of God, when we come through those double doors is when the preacher says, open your Bibles. There's a word of desire. You want the old paths, you've got to ask for the old paths. You want to know what real Holy Ghost revival is, you've got to seek it. It doesn't happen on accident. And let me tell you the trouble, friend. The trouble is we're raising generation. It used to be we're raising a generation. Now we're raising generation after generation after generation that doesn't have a clue what true worship is. They know what church is, but they don't know what worship is. They know what a format is, but they don't know what worship is. It thrilled my heart to see that little boy run up through there. I really thought that for a second. You know that? The choir was singing. He ran up. I thought, look at him go. But, you know, it's something when it startles you when someone gets excited and gets happy. It tells you something, don't it? it? tells you something when somebody gets happy and, and hollers out and says, Hey, man! Everybody goes, like somebody just shot someone. You know what that tells me? We're not used to it. It's foreign to us. We have no desire for it. We've got to come to the place where we desire it. Where we're serious about it. Where we're willing to pray and seek God's face. Friend, you've got to be serious enough about worship to do without a little TV. You've got to be serious enough about worship to get sin out of your life. You've got to be serious enough about worship to spend time praying for it. We don't pray for it. It ain't going to happen. That's no surprise. It amazes me. Baptists, let me tell you something, friend. Baptists are the densest bunch of people in the world. Did you know that? You know, old Albert Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. And you know what we do? We go to church in the same shape week after week after week and we expect a different result. Boy, I hope it gets on today. What have you done to get it on today? Well, boy, I hope people just get blessed in the service today. And by the way, do you know that the chief reason a Christian ought to go to church is not to get blessed in his soul, but to get burdened for souls? That's why a Christian goes to church. But there's nothing wrong with getting blessed. There's nothing wrong with getting excited. Nothing wrong. You ought to feel good when you leave church. But we come to church and we say, well, let's see if it's going to be different this week. And I'm going to serve notice on us, church, all of us, until we get serious about it. It ain't going to be no different. It's going to be the same week after week after week after week after week. We've got to get to the point where we desire it. There's a word of desire given to us. You've got to want it. You've got to desire it. You say, oh, you're, you're saying that until the Lord knows I want it, He's not going to give it. No, I'm saying until you want it, you're not going to do what it takes to get it. That's what I'm saying. We see a word of desire. But I want you to notice that we see a word of distinction. Boy, this is important today. Ask for the old paths. Now, we're going from looking at a bunch of different ways. He says, stand in the ways and see. And now the Lord's going to give us a distinction here. He says, ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? The Lord tells us what the right answer is. The Lord tells us what we need. Can I tell you what your family needs today? I bet you can guess. Your family needs real Holy Spirit-filled worship and revival. That's what your family needs. Your family, what they need more. You say, oh, that, that, you know, I like this church, but that other church, it just got so much stuff for my kids. Let me ask you something. When you was growing up, did your kid, did you get to decide where your parents went to church? 
Come on, let me preach now. Don't get upset with me. When you was growing up, did your parents pick where they went to church by what had the most stuff for you? Why have we changed? When you was growing up and your parents were looking for a church, did they say, well, I want to go to that church. It's got Pilates. I don't even know what Pilates is. I tried to order one at Burger King and they laughed at me. That's right. Well, you know, I go to that church. They preach the Word of God. But, you know, they just don't have enough stuff for my family. Let me tell you something. The church that preaches the Word of God, what is it that you think they lack for your family? If they've got the Word of God... Now, I'm not against ministries. We've got ministries. We've got... The children are over in children's church right now. They've probably got Brandon tied down and beating him with baseball bats by, by this time. We can only hope. He's going... He's going to wake up like Gulliver's Travels, be tied down with thread. Nothing wrong with ministries. But what I'm saying is this. What your family really needs is a good, healthy dose of the Word of God and Holy Ghost-filled worship. That's what your family needs. You say, which way should I choose? God says, stand in the old paths. Stand in the old paths. It's good enough for your daddy, wasn't it? Good enough for your granddaddy. Boy, that's what amazes me about this whole Bible versions thing. You say, preacher, are you King James only? Hey, if you didn't know it by now, you've been asleep. You say, which version should I use? Which version did your daddy use? Was it good enough for him? Which version did your grandmama use? Which version did that praying granddaddy that you had? Which version was good enough for them? Which version ought to be good enough for you? It amazes me that the church was satisfied with the King James Bible for over 300 years until a couple of infidels decided they wanted to concoct a false, full-of-the-devil Greek text in England, West Cotton Hort. And all of a sudden, here comes a fountain of perversions of the Word of God that take the deity of Christ and the blood of Christ and the reality of hell, the reality of the real, visible, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth out of it, every bit of it. And now all of a sudden, Christians are flocking to Him. You know why? Because if we can't change ourselves to conform to the Bible, we want to change the Bible to conform to us. Good enough for your parents, wasn't it? Saved your granddaddy. Let me tell you something. What you need, what you need is a good dose of old-time Christianity. That's what you need. We see a word of distinction made. Where is the good way? The good way is found in the old paths. I want you to notice this next word. There's a word of demand given. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Now, do you just get to stand? No. The Bible says, and walk therein. Let me tell you, this is where in a lot of ways many fundamentalists fail. We're willing to stand, we just ain't willing to walk. We, we like the preaching, we just don't like the living. You know that old-time Christianity, it's not just about how loud you preach. It's not even just about what version of the Bible you use. It's about your whole life being consecrated to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what the mantra of the modern-day church is. The mantra of the modern-day church is this. Everybody gets a piece of your life, and Jesus gets a piece too. Let me tell you what the theme and mandate of the Word of God is. It all belongs to Christ. We're all to walk therein. You know what that tells me? That tells me that it don't matter how loud you shout, if you ain't faithful to the Lord, the Lord's not pleased with it. It tells me it don't matter 
how hard a preaching you like if you don't witness to people and try to win souls and study the Word of God and really live the Christian life. It don't mean a thing. I'll tell you what we've got a lot of today. We've got a lot of shallow shouters in this world today willing to shout it up on Sunday and send it up on Monday. Friend, that ain't going to cut it when it comes to the Lord. It's not just about standing. It's about walking. It's not just about going to the right church. It's about living the right way. The Bible says we're to walk therein. We have a command to walk in it. I like this. We find a word of delight, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Never has there been a day when the contemporary movement has been as prevalent as it is today. Is that true? Let's play a little true and false, okay? Today, the contemporary movement is bigger than it has ever been. True. Somebody said C. I heard them. <laughs> Never has there been a time when this world has been more restless than it is today. True. Never has there been a time when there's been more false perversions of the Word of God. Never has there been a time when the divorce rate has been higher. Never has there been a time when teen suicide has been higher. Never has there been time when teen pregnancy has been higher. Never has there been time when teen alcoholism and drug use has been higher. Yeah. Where are we going to find rest for our souls? We find them in the old paths. We find them in Bible Christianity. Let me tell you where you find peace. Perfect peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, let me tell you where you find joy. Christ said, uh, your joy shall no man take. He said, I give you your joy. These things have I written unto you that your joy may be full. Where is it that we find happiness and joy in all these things? Where is it we're going to find meekness and temperance and love and all those things? We find them in real Bible Christianity. Not a bunch of puffed up, nothing, shallow entertainment masquerading as Christianity. You know that the devil can't give you joy? So the devil substitutes things. You know, the devil's always been a counterfeiter, always. So the devil can't give you joy, so he counterfeits it. And the devil's counterfeit for joy is entertainment. Entertainment. And let me tell you something, friend. It is not just contemporary music. Southern Gospels eat up with it as bad as anything is. You listen to a lot of Southern Gospel music, friend, and all you're listening to is honky-tonk country with a different word. They took baby out and put Jesus in. That's all it is. And you listen to a lot of contemporary music, it's the same thing that you'll hear on any other secular radio station. It's just instead of, oh, baby, 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 it's, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But it's the same thing, friend. It's the same thing. It's what you find. But where are we going to find this rest? It's found serving the Lord and living in Bible Christianity. You know that service produces rest in the Christian life. That's contrary to what the world teaches. When someone takes a vacation, they're going to go vacate. Uh, they're leaving work so that they can rest, correct? What did Christ say? He said, take my yoke upon you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden or weary. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me tell you why a lot of people are restless. Because they're living a life without purpose. They're living a life that means nothing. They're getting up and going day to day to day. Let me ask you something. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud. But I want to ask you this. 
What is last week going to mean in eternity for you? I just want you to think about that in your life. And I'm not saying that as some high and mighty. Hey, listen, preachers are as bad as anybody. But I just want you to think about your life and ask yourself that question. My life last week, what will it amount to in eternity? Will it mean anything? Let me tell you something. If you didn't spend last week serving the Lord, you say, I had to go to work. You can serve the Lord at work. Who told you you couldn't serve the Lord at work? You don't work with no lost people? Friend, I'm a pastor and I work with lost people. Amen? My piano player's wicked. I mean, straight out of hell. Everybody works around lost people. They don't need the Lord. Witness to them. You say, oh, I had to go to work. They can't stop you from praying, can they? No, I know you can't stand up on the lunch table maybe during lunchtime and start praying. But you can still pray. Listen, working a job don't stop you from serving the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you're not serving the Lord, that's the very reason you're unhappy. That's the very reason there's no rest for your soul. We find a word of delight. I want to give you a a final thought, and I'm going to hush. You hate me already, amen? He hated me before I even stood up. (laughs) I want to give you a word of desertion, because it's what I see around me. God gave this exhortation to the children of Israel. He said, this is what I command you to do. This is the right thing to do. But they said, we will not walk therein. I'm going to tell you what this world's going to do. This world is going to get a lot worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. (laughs) And then one day the clouds are going to break and it's going to get a lot better. But it's going to get a lot worse and worse and worse. And you say, well, culturally, church is just changing. Yeah, God said it would. The Bible said that in the last days there'd be a falling away. The Bible says that Uh, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. The Bible says this, know that in the last days perilous times shall come. The truth of the matter is this world is headed down the wrong direction. And just because the biggest church in town is headed that way too, that don't mean a thing. It doesn't mean that's the right way to go. You say, preacher, you're trying to say this is the only church in town. No, this isn't the only church in town. Plenty of churches in town. I'd even go so far as to say this ain't the only good one in town. Amen. I don't know. You might find a better one. Let me know. I'll resign and go attend there. I don't like y'all anyway. I told Bill, you know this guy has a Facebook page? This guy has a Facebook page. Can you believe that? Had it for... How long has he had it, Kathy? No, you're lying for him. He he had like 70 friends on there. She's lying for him. My, My best guesstimation is he's had it at least 15 years. And do you know he hadn't friended me? I'm his pastor, and he hadn't friended me. I'm going to delete you when I get home over that comment right there. And I told him, I said, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd quit church over this, amen. i quit church over this. No, we're not the only church in town. There's even other good churches in town. But the distinction here and the question here is not, am I going to go to church? You ought to go to church. Most of you, if you're here today, you know you ought to. The question is not, should I go to church? question is, what kind of church should I have my family in? What kind of church should I have my kids in? What kind of church should I have me and myself, my spouse in? What kind of church should I go to? 
And can I tell you that the right kind of church to go to is a Bible fundamental church. I did not say a church affiliated with a college. I didn't say a church affiliated with a denomination. In fact, I go as far as to say that I am completely and totally against denominationalism in every way, shape, fashion, and form. You say, you're a Baptist. Yeah, but I'm an independent Baptist. You know what that means? That means whatever the fellow does downtown has got nothing to do with me. You say, where's your headquarters? We can't even find our hindquarters half the time. Amen. Got no headquarters. Answer to no one but Christ. That's it. So I'm not talking about denominationalism. I'm saying you ought to have yourself in a good, Bible-based, fundamentally doctrinal church where they take the Word of God literally, where they believe that we actually have the Word of God. Boy, that's a start, isn't it? I believe that's where you ought to be. But in this world that we're living in, they've said we will not walk therein. And day by day by day, men are falling away. Expect to see more of it. And expect, friend, to see this world get worse and worse and worse. But you know what I love? As bad as this world gets, God always gives the individual a choice. You can't help what your family does, but you can help what you do. You can't, listen, you can't help where your neighbors go to church, but you can help where you go to church. You can't help what other people do, but you can make your mind up that you're in it for the long haul that you're in it to be in a good Bible-based church where you're going to serve God, where you're going to do something. I'll tell you why a lot of churches are do-nothing churches, because nobody in there will do nothing. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? You know, churches that do something are full of people that do something. And so if you'll purpose in your heart, say, I want to serve God, do whatever I can. Well, I know not everybody can do the same thing, but everybody can do something.